Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 759 with Jeremy Schiefling. Jeremy worked in LinkedIn and now is outside of LinkedIn, but he continues to share a boatload of LinkedIn wisdom. So you'll learn how to make the most of the platform to get hired, get opportunities flowing your way, be seen, all that good stuff. So you'll learn one, the top thing on your profile that you need to focus on. Two, how to get a ton of LinkedIn connections fast. And three, the simple thing that boosts your odds of getting hired by 10x. That's 10 times, if you will. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we mentioned here, you can find it over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP759. And if you're at awesomeatyourjob.com, check out some goodies such as our Gold Nugget email list, which provides actionable write-up of the summary wisdom that Jeremy shares, as well as unlocks the vault of all 759 of those such summaries. That's called the Gold Nuggets at awesomeatyourjob.com. Now here's Jeremy's story. Jeremy has devoted his career to helping students succeed in theirs. From recruiting top students at Teach for America to leading student marketing for LinkedIn, he's touched the lives of millions of people just starting their journeys. Along the way, he's published a top-selling book on job applications, served as the University of Michigan's tech career coach, and produced the most viewed video in LinkedIn's history. He currently leads teacher outreach efforts at Khan Academy and shares his thoughts on break into tech a site for anyone who wants to launch a tech career. Big thanks to Jeremy for sharing his wisdom with us. Big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no, no. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours, and small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, here's Jeremy. Jeremy, welcome to How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Oh, thanks for having me, Pete. So glad to be here. Well, I'm excited to talk LinkedIn with you. And you have a pretty special achievement at what comes to LinkedIn. Tell us, what's the story here? Yeah, so I actually used to work there. I was lucky enough to go to work for the company right after they IPO'd about a decade ago. I got to lead education marketing there, so helping students and recent grads make the most of the site. And actually, ever since I've left LinkedIn, I've still been on that same mission to unlock the potential of the site for thousands and thousands of professionals around the world, including lots of top universities as well, because I think there's so much power there, but it's buried deep beneath the surface, and so someone's got to excavate it. Well, And so then you, in fact, created the most watched video on LinkedIn. What's the story? What's the video? How many views? What are we talking here? Yeah, it's a funny story because basically, this was still in the Wild West days of YouTube marketing and things like that. but we were trying to bring LinkedIn from the C-suite to college campuses. And students back in the day were like, wait a second, 
Isn't LinkedIn like Facebook for old people before mm-hmm. Facebook became Facebook for old people? <laughs> and they were kind of suspicious of like why they would want another social network in their lives. And so we had to convince them, hey, it is relevant. Whether you want to find your 10th job or your first job, LinkedIn is there for you. And so we made this kind of irreverent video talking about how LinkedIn is not just for old guys with heavy briefcases. And it actually got us in trouble with our CEO because he was like, those old guys with heavy briefcases, they pay your salary. (laughs) But we went out in the end because the video did get about 5 million views and was well-liked by our audience and sort of helped get over that suspicious hump that was in our way. So definitely still up on YouTube. People should check it out. It's called Your Career Starts Here. Oh, that's cool. Well, well, congrats. And well, it's so funny, like everyone wants to go viral. And I don't know if anyone is really, is there like a legendary business school like contest for like, hey, make a viral video. And it's sort of like, it's out of your hands. It's just like some things just kind of take off. So do you know what made this such a hit? Or is it just another one of those mysteries of the viral video? Yeah, it's definitely a big joke in the marketing circles. Like you'll see these memes where it says, the boss comes into the marketer's office and says, hey, maybe one of those viral videos, will you? <laughs> um, and I wish we had the ability to snap our fingers and make it happen. I do think in our case, it sort of hit on that sort of the surprise theme of, wait a second, LinkedIn is actually funny. LinkedIn is actually poking fun at itself and at corporate America. And so I think at least for the time, it kind of spoke to that zeitgeist. That's cool. All right. We're talking about your work linked, conquer LinkedIn, get your dream job, own your future. Good stuff. Could you? I know there's a whole lot to discuss, but could you name us one particularly surprising, mind-blowing LinkedIn feature or trick you share that's like underappreciated but so powerful? Oh, absolutely. I apologize in advance if I geek out about this stuff. I know I love LinkedIn more than the average person, but I think that LinkedIn is not just useful for finding jobs; it's really useful for getting jobs. And one perfect example of that is just in the last year or so, LinkedIn has rolled out a new video interview tool. So, you know, we're all interviewing on Zoom for the first time these days. There's the great resignation going on with people quitting jobs and trying to find new ones. And if you suffer from Zoom stage fright, where you get there on the camera and the little light on your webcam goes off and you freeze up, LinkedIn can help you prepare ahead of time by recording yourself, giving answers, getting feedback from people in your network. And it's all for free. Mm -hmm. And so for your listeners out there, if you just head over to LinkedIn, head into the video interview tool, you can get ready for prime time without paying a cent. Beautiful. Okay, cool. Well, there's one great feature right there. And so so tell us, your your book, Linked, what's sort of the main idea, the, the big thesis here? Yeah, I think the number one thing is that even though LinkedIn can often seem like yet another boring social network in this constellation of too many social networks, it's actually much more of a tool. For savvy job seekers, people who want to sort of um, upgrade their careers, if you've got a hunger to get to wherever you want to be going, LinkedIn is the tool to get you there. Mm -hmm. But you can't waste time on it the way you might waste time on other social networks, just posting random stuff, consuming content. Instead, you've got to use it like a heat-seeking missile where you're really focused on what's most important to you and achieving your own goals. And that's what we talk about in the book, how to get exactly where you want to go. Okay. Well, so tell us then when it comes to the goals, what would you say would be sort of like the main segmentation of, of goals people have when they go on LinkedIn? So they're not there for the cat videos. They're, they're not there for the sassy, you know, little dance video tidbits. What are sort of the, the top goals that people go to LinkedIn for? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's definitely um, a couple of things. So obviously job seekers, 
whether again, you're looking for an entry-level job, a career change, you know, LinkedIn has all the companies, all the recruiters, all the opportunities. But if you're looking to maybe power up your career in a couple of different ways as an entrepreneur, well, guess what? All your clients are on LinkedIn. If you're looking to grow within your organization, all of your fellow colleagues and the people who are higher up than you are on there to network with. And so whether you want to get a completely new job or just upgrade the one that you have today, LinkedIn is really powerful for all those use cases. Well, let's talk about those who are doing some job seeking. Do you have sort of like a step-by-step -step in terms of, okay, looking for a, a new opportunity? LinkedIn is apparently awesome, says Jeremy. Uh, what, <laughs> what would be sort of like the step-by-step -step to making it work for you? Yeah, I think there are really three steps to focus on. The first one, this is so important, even though a lot of job seekers skip over it, is you've got to know where you belong. LinkedIn, like anything out there on the internet, is driven by algorithms and keywords. And so if you just say, hey, I want a new job, I'm looking for a job, that's not good enough because on LinkedIn, the recruiters who are looking for you need to know whether you match their job descriptions. So you've got to have focus to the point where you're like, I'm a project manager, a product manager, a producer. Here's what I can do for you. And if you don't know where you belong yet, no worries. You can actually go on LinkedIn, look up your school on the site, and basically find tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of alumni who majored in the same thing you did and are now doing all sorts of fascinating work mm. from government work to nonprofits, to tech, to finance, everything in between. And you can reach out and learn about their experiences to find the right path for you. Oh yeah, that's really cool. You know, I, I hadn't thought about that from a, like from a first job kind of perspective in terms of, it's like, I'll do anything. I don't know. I can, I studied this because I like this, but what, what do people from my school who studied finance or whatever end up doing? You can go that away. I think what, what I've also found really fun is if, if I've met someone who's doing a cool thing, I could look up that individual person and then it says, oh, people have also looked for this or they can see, well, where do they work? And then they, I see the other folks, other organizations in the industry. So I know it's not uh, addictive in, this, in the, the same way that maybe Facebook or Instagram can be for folks, but at times, it, for me, it, it has been in terms of, oh, wow, that's fascinating. And that's really cool too. And that's really cool too, in terms of discovering sort of new people and organizations, and as it suggests, another and another and another. So you can either start by your school and field of study if you're in, in the earlier years of your career, or discover all kinds of new stuff if you're in, in the mid-game there. Yeah, I love that idea, Pete, because I do think that so often job seekers have this scarcity mentality. Oh, there are only so many jobs out there and so competitive to work at the top places. I'm never going to find the perfect opportunity. But if you take that surplus or bounty perspective that you talked about, kind of like a kid in a candy shop, what you're going to discover is there's so many cool people doing so much cool stuff out there. And if you just expose yourself to it, all of a sudden you're going to start to see, hey, I could be doing that or that or that. And the question is just sort of editing it down to find that North Star that you can really hone in on. Okay, so we first, step one, know where you belong. And in so doing, or in doing so, we're going to check out a bunch of related people and organizations that come from our field of study or something else we already know that we're interested in. Okay, so what's the next step? Okay, so then once you know where you belong, you've got to get it out of your mind and into the digital ether, into the LinkedIn platform. And the reason for that is there's been this massive sea change in the last two decades where recruiters who were once placing classified ads or going on monster.com now just say, hey, I don't want to waste any time with that. I'm going to go right to LinkedIn and search for the top talent there. 
because LinkedIn has 700 million plus profiles. So there's no reason to go anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And that means you've got to signal to those recruiters, hey, I'm in the game. I'm interested. And so that starts with your headline. So I know it may seem a little weird because there's not necessarily an equivalent on a resume, but that little piece of text right beneath your name, so right where it says Pete, you need to put in, I'm a project manager or an accountant or a digital strategist or whatever you're focused on, because that single piece of text is limited to just 160 characters, fewer even than a tweet. And therefore, it has been given the most weight in LinkedIn's algorithm because it's the least gameable. LinkedIn knows that people can stuff all sorts of keywords all over their profile, mm -hmm. except for the headline. That's the truest, most authentic signal of who you are and what you can do. And that's why you've got to start there by signaling your focus. Okay. And can you give us some examples of, of great headlines? You mentioned accountant, um, project manager is sort of, is that it? Just accountant, project manager, or, or like, would you expand upon that and how so? Yeah. I do think this is where it goes back to that homework piece we were just talking of really doing your due diligence, understanding the career path. If you don't want to just be an accountant, but you want to be an accountant focused on sustainability or cryptocurrency or whatever, then absolutely include that as well. Because again, always put yourself in the recruiter's shoes. If you are looking for an accountant at Coinbase, say, mm -hmm. and you want to hire someone with a passion for the space, yeah, you could hire a regular old accountant who knows nothing about it, or you could hire someone who really gets it and is already an insider. Mm -hmm. And so you really want to signal, here's my functional interest, and also here's the industry. Here's the kind of company I want to work for. Okay, perfect. Okay, so step one, know where you belong. Step two, show that you're in the game. And we started with your headline. Any other key things you want to fill out? Yeah. So again, if you imagine yourself as a recruiter, recruiters actually have access to this behind the scenes tool called LinkedIn Recruiter. I know not a very exciting name, but it's actually the most powerful screen that controls careers around the globe that no one even knows exists except for the recruiters. Mm -hmm. And basically the reason it's so powerful is it allows any recruiter who has this license and it's about $10,000 per year per seat. So not cheap, but it allows them to go in and search through all those profiles and find the best talent right away. And so one thing they're going to search for beyond just, hey, I need an accountant, is I need an accountant with specific skills, maybe with expertise in this technology or that platform. And so it's really critical that you figure out what those keywords are and get those into your profile. Mm -hmm. So for example, if A-B testing were an important thing for your career path, and you've noticed that in all of these job listings that you're going after, you would want to have it in your about section, you'd want to have it in your skill section, your experience section. So that way, LinkedIn Recruiter sees that skill set that you have and gives you as a recommended match to the recruiter. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so even if you haven't done A-B testing, ah. you could just mention that you're interested in A-B testing. We talk about gaming. I don't know. So like, oh, so I think, well, one, step one, or maybe step two B, maybe <laughs> in, in our numbering here is we'll just have a good sense for what are the opportunities that you want? What do those postings sound like? What are the words that show up again and again? So it's like, okay, this is what you're into. I'm going to see how I can incorporate them. But I'm curious, if you haven't done A-B testing, but you want to show up for A-B testing, do you just mention, hey, I'm interested in A-B testing, or I've learned several tools and I want to learn more <laughs> like A-B testing? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that question. So first of all, a little bonus hack for your listeners. If you want to quickly figure out what these most important keywords are, obviously you could look manually, one job description at a time, or you could go to a tool like jobscan.co, which is also free for a limited number of uses, and basically say, hey, show me all the most important keywords for all my favorite job descriptions. And it'll immediately pull out, these are the most critical keywords, and here's the ones you're missing. 
Hmm. Now, to your ethical question, if you do not have that skill, should you list it? Probably not. And here's why. Because even if a recruiter chooses you on LinkedIn and says, hey, Pete looks awesome. Let me bring him in for an interview. If they test you on that A-B uh, testing skill in the interview. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I've never done that, Jeremy. <laughs> that could ultimately be an unsatisfactory experience for both sides. <laughs> yeah, indeed. That's true. And but at, the, at the same time, though, uh, I don't know why I'm so fixated on this poor <laughs> person who has not yet done A-B testing. I think at the same time, though, you could pick up some skills without necessarily having done it on, on the job in terms of you could take a LinkedIn learning. Uh, it's, this is a huge LinkedIn commercial, <laughs> apparently. Right. Uh, a LinkedIn learning course uh, about the matter, or which actually does show up on your profile as, as having taken, you can get those badges, so certification completions using LinkedIn learning. Or just, you know, really dork out. I, I, back in the day, that's, they didn't have to take it down this website. It's called witchtestone.com. You yeah. just look at all these A-B tests and, uh, and, and sort of sharpen your skills and read about the comments. Anyway, uh, this is not about A-B testing. <laughs> this is about using... Well, and let me, let me yeah. just point out one thing mm-hmm. there, Pete, because this is important, especially for career changers out there. So often there's that catch-22 where you say, hey, in order to get the new job, I have to have experience with it. But in order to get experience, I have to get the job. Right. So how do I break through? Well, I want to be really clear. You don't have to have formal big company experience doing something to list it on your profile. Mm-hmm. If you've done A-B testing for your own pet project, for your volunteer work, even extracurricularly as a student, all that counts because you can still talk about it in the context of an interview. So absolutely get credit for what you've done, no matter the context. That's good. Okay. Well, so then anything else you want to talk about in step two, showing them that you're in the game with regard to your headlines and your keywords, anything else? Yeah, I think those are the most important ones. All right. I think the next step is, and this is really critical, is you got to get the recruiter to pick you. Mm -hmm. Because so far we've been talking mostly about the algorithm, right? How does this, the algorithm that powers LinkedIn find you based on your headline, find you based on your keywords? But then imagine that I'm that recruiter and I've put in all my parameters and I still have 50,000 candidates. Well, one of the tricky things is, is that LinkedIn limits recruiters to a certain number of in-mails a month, messages to new candidates mm-hmm. in order to reach out. Even at 10,000 bucks a year. Eh? That's right. <laughs> it's a pretty good, pretty good time to be LinkedIn, right? <laughs> pretty good business. Okay. So, so we have a, Fine. There's a cap, exactly. so which makes sense because then that's better for everybody. We don't want, we don't want to be spammed. That's right. Hundreds of times over, we, by having some forced scarcity, we have some control there. Okay, so fair point. You're showing up in the keywords and the searches, but so are thousands of others. So now what? Yeah. So now, how do you make yourself in mail worthy? In other words, mm-hmm. if I've got thirty in mails or three in mails left for the rest of the month, how do I decide if you're worth it, Pete? And so obviously. It's about having all the stuff we've talked about, the keywords and a nice photo and stuff like that. But LinkedIn also has these extra bonus filters built into this recruiter platform that allows recruiters to figure out, hey, are you a serious candidate? Are you worth my time and my energy? And so those are things like, you may have noticed on the profile, there's now this thing called open to work. Mm -hmm. And basically what that is, is a bat signal to recruiters saying, hey, don't waste that last in middle of the month on someone who's not even going to respond to you because they're so content in their current job. Instead, know that I'm in the game and specifically looking for roles at companies like yours. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I know what you're going to ask. You're going to say, Jeremy, that sounds great. What if my current boss finds out? Uh Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the nice thing is that LinkedIn allows you to basically go into stealth mode with that, where you can share your signal with only recruiters who are paying all this money for this product and specifically only recruiters who don't work at your current company. Okay. So you don't have to worry about the HR department narking you out to your boss. 
That's good. And so then you would have to have almost like a very motivated HR department to have a buddy working elsewhere, <laughs> taking right. a look and then sharing. And I would hope they've got maybe better things to do <laughs> with their with their time in life and say, who's thinking about leaving? Maybe just make a more engaging, rewarding uh, work environment. That's my own editorializing right, right. <laughs> on, on the matter. Uh, so, okay, cool. So that's nifty. Okay, so then other than the open to work piece, uh, what else can we do to stand out amongst the thousands? Yeah, great question. So the next filter that's available in LinkedIn Recruiter is called, do you have a company connection? In other words, is there someone on the inside that you know who plugs you into the company? And the reason that's there is that LinkedIn's own research has shown that recruiters are much more likely to select you as a candidate if you happen to know someone on the inside already. And you might be thinking like, hey, why does that matter at all? But the reality is, is for the recruiter, that human connection, that sort of connective tissue between you and the organization makes a huge difference. You know, they're able to reach out to get an introduction. They're able to reach out and do a background check on you later in the process. And so you're just a more desirable candidate, an easier candidate to manage. And that makes them more likely to use their in-mails on you. Mm-hmm. Well, then I suppose the implication then is have a bigger network so it's more likely that you're there. Absolutely, yeah. You mm-hmm. nailed it, Pete, because really mathematically... If you think about the way the networks are, like if you just have a larger, more diverse network, you're more likely to know someone on the inside at more companies around the globe. Mm-hmm. So building a large network on LinkedIn isn't just a vanity project to say, hey, I'm 500 plus. It actually matters to your chances of success. Absolutely. Certainly. And any pro tips on, on how we can grow that number quickly? Yeah. Well, this is an important one. So the number one mistake that I see people making with LinkedIn networks is they go onto LinkedIn And they try to basically reinvent the wheel, go out there and build new connections one by one. And that's great. It's great to meet new people, but they haven't gotten credit yet for all the people they already know in the real world. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this question, Pete. How many people would you say that you've met or corresponded with over the course of your entire lifetime? Certainly. Well, uh, I don't know precisely, but it is more than 3,000. Okay. I have, <laughs> I have research that suggests you are absolutely right, that the average person knows about 5,000 people okay. over the course of a lifetime. <laughs> so you're somewhere on that journey. All righty. And so what that means is when you see people on LinkedIn who have 10 connections or 20 connections, they are literally missing out on thousands of actual connections they've built out there in the real world. And because LinkedIn doesn't know about them, they can't give you credit for it at the algorithmic level, at the recruiter level you're not being plugged into all those opportunities that you deserve. Mm-hmm. So to catch up as quickly as possible, what I want all of your listeners to do is go to the My Network tab at the top of the screen. And instead of just connecting with people one at a time, scroll down to the lower left-hand side and actually import your address books. I know okay. what you're thinking. You're like, whoa, this is going against every social media training I've ever gotten. I got to keep that stuff locked down. But the reality is, is that your address books, like your Gmail address book, is a digital archive of everyone you've corresponded with, all these relationships you've built. And so when LinkedIn matches those with the email addresses of profiles, they can instantly give you credit for all the people you already know. Mm -hmm. And plus, unlike a Facebook, unlike a TikTok or an Instagram, there's not as much of a dark side on LinkedIn because the nice thing about LinkedIn being the boring social network, as we talked about, is that you don't have all this crazy stuff happening on there. It's more about opportunity and accessing it. Mm Mm-hmm. And then nothing nefarious is happening in terms of, you know, being people being hit with like marketing messages like, hey, you're joining LinkedIn. Because, well, one, they're probably already on LinkedIn. And, and two, that's just not 
what happens when you add contacts, right? That's right. It's basically saying, hey, you already know Pete. Why don't you actually acknowledge that connection on LinkedIn? And then it works out well for both of you for the reasons we talked about. Mm-hmm. And you can and choose them individually. And what I found was, is really fun is once you, once you do that, and let's say you, you get a you know, couple hundred going through there in a jiffy, is that now LinkedIn's algorithms have a lot more to work with. So then you can just, you request to connect a whole bunch of people. And then a week later, many of them have already said yes, and your network is much larger. And now the recommended connections make a lot of more of them are new and relevant. You're like, oh yeah, and that person too. Oh yeah, and that person too. And that person too. And, and so then it sort of has a nice little virtuous cycle in terms of add a bunch of connections, come back a week, better recommendations. Add a bunch of those connections, come back a week, more good recommendations. And then you just keep scaling uh, real quick until he's like, okay, I guess now I've got everybody I know. Connection on LinkedIn. Cool. That's absolutely right. And I think that like one of the things your listeners will find if they embrace some of these strategies is that, you know, we often have been taught like, oh my goodness, I don't want these algorithms processing me and my behavior. But again, the upside here is so massive where you're getting exposed to companies you didn't know about, jobs you didn't know about, recruiters you didn't know about, who all are seeking your talent. And that's all for the good. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, this is great. Well, tell me, Jeremy, what are some other must do's and must don'ts associated with LinkedIn. Is that it? That's the three steps? That, um, I will mention one more thing if, okay. if you want to mind. Yeah. Okay. So then we'll say, okay, so we got three steps and, and what else? Yeah. And so the last piece, and this really goes to that networking and relationship building piece we just talked about is if you do nothing else on LinkedIn, if you skip the profile, you skip all the career exploration, and if you invest in only a single step, it's got to be reaching out and getting a referral for the jobs you want. Because on this point, the data is so clear, which is that job seekers who are referred to jobs, so basically someone inside the company saying, hey, I know Pete, he's awesome, he should have a job here, gives you a 10x advantage over candidates who only apply online. Okay. And think about that. You know, We spend probably more time working than we do with our families, for better or worse. And if we're going to have so much time and so much of our personal meaning invested in work, shouldn't it be the work that we love doing with colleagues who we like working with? So to give yourself the best shot at that, find someone on the inside who can go to bat for you to give you that referral and use that to get the best chance at doing work you love. Okay. And when we ask you for that referral, any any pro tips in terms of best, worst practices? Like, hey, man, I want to work here. Yeah, yeah. Make it happen. What, what should I say? What should I not say? It definitely starts with finding the right people. It's kind of this Venn diagram overlap that you're looking for where it's someone who wants to help you and someone who can help you. Mm-hmm. So for example... If you search for a company on uh, LinkedIn, say Google, for instance, and then you click on the Google company page and you say, hey, there are 200,000 employees at Google, those are 200,000 potential refers. And if you click on that number, you'll see all those people listed on LinkedIn, as well as their backgrounds, where they went to school, et cetera, et cetera. So you can take that list and you can filter it for people I already know, people who are friends of friends, people who went to the same school, and now they've got some incentive to want to help you. You can also search by title to say, show me people on the product management team or on the marketing team. And now you're finding people who can help you because they're plugged into the team you want to work for. Uh And so if you can find that perfect overlap, that person's going to be really well-placed to help you out. Okay. So we find the right person. And then any do's and don'ts with regard to what we say to that person? Yeah. And I think, you know, it all comes down to what's the relationship so far. If it's someone who's been your best friend for 20 years, ask for the referral right away. Because honestly, it's a win-win. Sure, you're going to get a great opportunity, but in exchange, Google's going to pay them 1000 or 5000 or $10,000 in a referral bonus once you're hired. 
Mm-hmm. So never doubt the power of the referral to help you as well as your friend. But if you don't know them that well already, no worries. You can always reach out and say, hey, just want to pick your brain about this opportunity in this organization. And you can get their story, hear about their journey. And then after you've built a bit of a rapport with that person, then you can start to pivot and say, hey, I would love nothing less but to follow in your footsteps and get to sort of go on this journey that you've gone on. I understand from this uh, amazing podcast I was listening to that Google really values referrals. Any chance you'd be willing to put one in for me? Mm-hmm. And now that you've broken the ice, you've established the rapport, it's much more natural to make that ask than right off the top of the bat. Okay, certainly. And so when you say referrals, uh, th- this can happen. This is not a, a particular LinkedIn thing so much as just sort of humans doing what humans have always done with regard to recommending and people. That's right. But think about this. Referrals have always happened, but always through the old boys network, right? Oh, 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 you went to Harvard Business School. I went to Harvard Business School. Let's help each other out. But what if you didn't go to Harvard Business School? What if you didn't go to business school or even college? Well, LinkedIn now enables you to find people who are at all these organizations who might have other things in common with you. Mm-hmm. And you could go on there and say, show me all the Google employees who volunteer with Habitat for Humanity, because that's my particular passion. Yeah. And you could connect on that basis. And so ultimately, this is democratizing access to referrals, not just the old boys network. I want to hear when it comes to getting endorsements. That seems like a good thing that would work for us. What's your take there? Yeah. So let's come back to the source of truth here. Ultimately, everything boils down to that LinkedIn recruiter screen we were talking about, Mm -hmm. where the recruiters around the world are finding top talent. And ultimately, what you'll see if you look at that, and you can look at screenshots online, is that LinkedIn, even almost 10 years after endorsements have launched, has never built that as a filter into LinkedIn recruiter. No kidding. And the reason for that is sort of simple data science which is, if you recall the heyday of LinkedIn endorsements when they first launched, there was all this virality. People were going around endorsing each other for everything. My own mom endorsed me for astronomy and zoology and all this stuff I knew nothing about. <clears throat> and that ultimately watered down the signal and created all this noise. Yeah. So much so that just because I had 99 plus endorsements for something didn't actually make me an expert at it. Wouldn't stand up in the interview room. And because it wasn't a strong enough signal that they could actually hang their hat on, They've never baked it into their flagship product. LinkedIn Recruiter Mm. is what makes LinkedIn its most money. If you look at their last 10K, and then ultimately, if it's not going to be successful for recruiters and effective for that key audience, they're not going to put it into their flagship. Okay, so that's not a filter that appears in in that piece of software that recruiters are using. I I guess you, you may argue it may or may not be interesting or compelling when you uh, look at something. Well, I, I guess so there's, well, I got to go in my LinkedIn. So there's endorsements and then uh, recommendations. There's, right, like there's one, like, hey, Pete's good at leadership. So there's that. And then there's also someone's uh, kind of like a letter of endorsement. Like I worked with Jeremy and he, I thought he was super brilliant. So am I using my words correctly? W- which is which? Yeah, absolutely. And so this is a really important distinction. I'm glad you brought it up. So endorsements are kind of like the fast food of social proof, right? Yes. Okay. Endorsements versus... mm -hmm. Just like, yeah, Pete's great. I clicked a button. No big deal. And obviously that's watered down for all the reasons we talked about. Recommendations, however, are like digital gold. Because think about your typical resume. You know, your resume is all Pete saying that Pete is awesome. And Pete might be a little bit biased on that topic. Whereas this Uh is a rare chance for a recruiter to get some third-party validation that you are who you claim to be. And so what you'll see in the recruiter product is that very quickly upon choosing a profile, the recruiter will be shown those recommendations as a way of confirming that, hey, this actually is a rock star candidate. 
So those definitely do matter much more than endorsements. Okay. Endorsements, 99 people saying I'm great at leadership development, doesn't so much matter. Recommendations, human beings saying, whoa, worked with this guy and they were so great, matter a lot. Absolutely. And don't stress out about it. You don't need to have 99 of those, Mm -hmm. but one or two well-placed ones from people who were either a client or a boss and can objectively speak to your skill set, that definitely matters. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very cool. Well, so then tell me anything else we need to know to do or not do with our LinkedIn? Yeah, honestly, those are the big ones. You know, we can talk all day about other bells and whistles and new features and stuff like that. But I think if people are going to say, hey, I only have 10 minutes realistically to spend on my job search, job search this week or to think about career exploration, that's where I'd spend my time. That's where you're going to get the biggest Pareto principle kind of bang for your buck by focusing on, hey, what do I want to do? How do I signal that to the world? And how do I get recruiters to pick me? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, now could you share a favorite quote so that you find inspiring? Yeah, absolutely. So one of my favorite quotes of all time has to be from Yogi Berra, of course, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Mm-hmm. And the reason I love that one so much is that I think it kind of speaks to where we are right now in our world of career discovery, which is so often, you know, we get this message as kids that we have to choose a path. What are you going to be when you grow up? When in fact, we've discovered during this great resignation that you can be lots of different things. You can run your own business. You can work for someone else's business. You can try different career paths. And I hope that yogiism there gives people the sense that many possibilities are available to them, especially at this moment. All right. And could you share a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? Yeah. So this is one that actually goes beyond LinkedIn, but is still in the world of job searching. So a company called Resume Go basically tested one of the key axioms of the entire job seekers handbook, which is you've got to have a one-page resume. And we've all heard that ever since we applied for our first jobs. Mm -hmm. Well, it turned out when Resume Go actually tested this out in the real world and showed two different versions of resumes to actual recruiters, a one-page version and a two-page version, actual real-world recruiters were 2.3 times more likely to choose the two-page version over the one-page version. Mm. So as a job seeker, we always have to be questioning dogma. Is this actually the way the world works or just the conventional wisdom? Because if it's not working for us, then we got to skip it. Wow, that is that is fascinating. And I have told many people to have a one-page <laughs> resume <laughs> myself. And, and, and so, well, yeah, I want to dig into that study in terms of, and so like they didn't know it was the same person or it was just sort of, they had a pile. Exactly, that's right. So huh. all anonymized. And I think what they actually hypothesized in terms of why that was happening, what was driving this phenomenon was that, yeah, recruiters actually say the same thing. Oh, I've got too many resumes, keep it short. But when actually given more information and probably a little more white space as well, mm-hmm. the recruiter was like, ah, I can actually look at this person, get a sense of what they really can do versus eight point font with everything crammed in, trying to make it work in this eight and a half by 11 space. Yeah, yeah, that, that does make sense in terms of they say, we say that's what we want. because it's like, no, too much work, too many pages, keep it down. And yet when you really sit down, it's like, oh, well, this is lovely to look at with my eyes. Hmm. (laughs) Uh, I enjoy having uh, multiple segments that make a lot of sense as opposed to things shoved in all the more. That's right. So we talked about A-B testing before and Mm -hmm. here it comes again. It matters. (laughs) And a favorite book. Yeah. So my favorite book, and again, specifically in the job searching space, has to be for my own personal job search guru, Steve Dalton. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Have you actually interviewed Steve? Uh, twice. He's so good. Oh, yeah. So Steve, for those who don't know already, has written a book called The Two-Hour Job Search, 
And the reason I love it as an introvert myself is I often thought of networking and LinkedIn as only a space for extroverts, super type A MBAs. When in fact, as you've probably gotten a sense from our conversation so far, even if you're super introverted and maybe networking doesn't come naturally to you, to you at all, you absolutely have access to this incredible opportunity to find the right people, build the right relationships, get access to the best opportunities. And Steve really breaks down how to do that in his book, The Two-Hour Job Search. Mm-hmm. And a favorite tool? Uh, favorite tool, I would say, is actually something that I use quite a bit when I do my own job searches, which is a, a site called followupthen.com. Have you heard of it? Mm-hmm. I think so. Keep talking. Okay. So basically, what follow-up then is, is a second brain. So one thing that I've learned that humans are not good at all about is remembering to stay engaged with people. You know, we've talked a lot about networking, reaching out. Well, the, real, the reality is, is that when you're building a relationship with a new person, most likely it's going to take multiple conversations or multiple correspondences over time before you really win them over to your side. The problem is, is so many wannabe networkers drop the ball because they have a great first contact and then never bother to follow up. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I send a message to you, Pete, thanking you for our first conversation, and then I BCC every one month at followupthen.com, it will bounce it back to my inbox on a monthly basis. So even though my brain has been distracted by boba tea and the things I see on my window and everything else happening on my screen, followupthen.com forgets nothing and always reminds me to keep that relationship healthy and alive and helps it build towards success. And by the way, it's actually all free at followupthen.com. Oh, that's cool. And and then I imagine it bounces it to your email such that I can just push reply to... Uh, that's right, exactly. Because it yeah. keeps the thread intact. So you can as say, a, hey, Pete, perfect. remember that great advice you gave me last month? I actually acted upon it. Here's what I learned. Mm-hmm. Any chance I could get an introduction to this person who might be able to unlock the next opportunity. That's so cool. As opposed to, I mean, I love me some OmniFocus task management software, but this is just easier in terms of, hey, we're talking about an email. It's going to come back as an email. When that email comes back, I just have to push R, reply, and then bam, away we go. Cool. That's right. Not to geek out too much, but it's all in your workflow and that's where it stays. Mm -hmm. And a favorite habit? Yeah. You know, this is an interesting one because I was just talking about this with some colleagues who are geeking out with me about the best way to learn. And one of the things that I've done way too much over the pandemic, and I hate to say this being on a podcast, is I've indulged in podcasts. Okay. During almost every waking hour, during my walks, during my, you know, almost practically before I go to bed. And what I've realized is I've kind of crowded out all the silence, all the white noise in my life Mm -hmm. with uh, actual noise, with actual content. Mm-hmm. And what I think that like the human brain was designed to do originally, if you think about evolution and how we've come about as a species, is we had all this free time, all this space to think about things. And that's why our brain is so good at being creative in the shower or while we're sleeping. That, sort of, that insolvable challenge that is daunting us today gets solved while we're asleep. And so I think carving out more space to have that time to process and to think, even if it's subconscious, has actually been really powerful. Uh-huh. And is there a key nugget you share that really seems to connect and resonate and gets retweeted a lot? Yeah. I think I'd come back to that piece about referrals. You know, I think we've shared a lot about process today in terms of, hey, here's the steps that a recruiter goes through. Here are all the tools that they use. But at the end of the day, results matter, getting that ROI. And so if people want to focus on, hey, how do I actually 
cut to the chase and get that dream job, that 10x advantage that referrals provide, that's gold. All right. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? Yeah, so we actually built a website, sort of a companion to the book called linkedinguys.com. And it basically is an insider's guide to LinkedIn from LinkedIn Insiders, uh, conveniently enough. So if people want to learn about all these tips and tricks, they're all for free at linkedinguys.com. All right. And you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think this one is especially topical given where we are in our society and our economy. Okay. So the thing that I think is really incumbent upon job seekers today is to embrace this unique moment in our economy. With this great resignation going on all around us, it can often seem like things are chaotic, things are a little bit crazy. But think about what the great resignation really represents. Every single time someone walks off the job, walks out that door, that door is opening up for you in turn. So if you've ever wanted to change careers or find a new path or do that thing that you really love to do but thought it was closed off to you, now is the time, now is your moment. And I hope folks embrace that. All right, Jeremy, this has been a treat. I wish you much conquering and fun on LinkedIn and elsewhere. Thank you so much, Pete. And good luck to all your listeners out there. I really love what Jeremy had to say about not being afraid to import your contacts, (laughs) which was a really quick point, but it's something that I find resonant in that I have been so hypersensitive lately about just saying, no, no, you don't have my permission for this or for this. And no, you cannot notify me for this. You can't look at my location. You can't look at my, you know, so that's lately been kind of my default with regard to tech stuff apps and social media and whatever. And so I think that was an insightful perspective from Jeremy is that you may have seen that and said, no way, no how, not going to do it. Well, I found it super useful, as has Jeremy and the people who he has recommended. So if you have held out on that point, I might recommend you give it a go. I've never heard of anything bad happening from that, but rather just a lot of great connections, which then fuel recommendations for more great connections, which then open up all kinds of doors. So if you had any resistance, I'd say I haven't seen any reason to to feel that resistance, unlike most apps who want my location or microphone her video access. I'm like, I don't feel the need to give you that. No, no, sir. And if you haven't done that in a while, you might do it again. Maybe you did that years ago. Could be worth a revisit and get a boatload of extra connections, opening up extra insights, opportunities, all the more. So again, the show notes, the transcript, the links, items we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP759. Hope to catch you next time and peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. 